Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast, it's brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining us yet again for another episode. And in a fresh topic today, we're going to be talking about how to be a healthy photographer. I'm here with my longtime friend, Becker or Chris Becker. Thank you so much, Becker, for making time for the Boca Podcast listeners. Yeah, I'm stoked to talk to you, man. It's been a while. It has been a while. We do go way back. I mean, I could think back and I could probably go back into my archive of photos, actually, the random assortment of photos that we've taken over the years. And you and I have both changed a lot. We're going to get to that here in just a little bit. But I really appreciate your friendship and I appreciate you ultimately making time to share with our listeners because you have a lot of experience both on the photography side. And then when it comes to this issue of addressing our health as photographers, you also have quite a bit of experience. And I'm stoked to get into that here in just a bit. Bit. But to start us off, what we normally talk about here at the podcast is something I call the technique for time or tool for time. And very simply, what this is about is how to create space or time for yourself as a business owner. It's easy to get caught up in all the busy work. Um, my question for you is how do you create space for yourself amidst all of that? Yeah, it's funny. When I got that question, I was like thinking, uh, when I was a business owner, you know, self-employed pretty much my whole life. And I, I kind of like being self-employed because of all this time, this free time or this flexible time, not necessarily free time. But again, I didn't have like a nine to five. I didn't have to punch a clock. And, but now that I'm a parent, time is a little different you know, because <laughs> yep. I'm responsible for other people. I have a, a three-year-old little girl and basically a three-month-old little girl. And so the timing is a lot trickier to carve out time for my business and for myself and stuff like that. But as far as timing goes, I'm a big believer in kind of chunking my time and I schedule everything. There's only a handful of people that can actually just call and get me on the phone because I, I schedule every phone call with all clients have to be scheduled in advance. I just don't, I don't just pick up the phone. I try to eliminate distractions. And I'm also a huge huge proponent of the Pomodoro technique. Yes. So if, you're, if, if your listeners don't know about that, I block off 25 minutes of focused uninterrupted work where the email, the email program is quit. I'm not checking Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or anything like that. And I literally do 25 minutes of solid work on one task. And then I take a five minute break. And during that break, I'll either get a drink of water or use the restroom or do a, a a set of pull-ups or whatever exercise or whatever. And then I come right back down as soon as that breaks over and I'll do another 25 minutes. And my goal honestly is that I get four of those in one day. Okay. If I can just get a two hour block of time, I feel like I can be so productive during that time that that's all I have to have. Anything else that I get done is a bonus, but you know, it's really like multitasking is a myth and, and there's just so many distractions with our smartphones these days that, you know, all these things, these little beeps going off. And so I have all notifications turned off on my phone. It's like, don't bother me. I just don't, I just, again, I, you have to eliminate those distractions and protect your time. And I'm a big, big fan of that. Again, that Pomodoro technique. Yeah, that's huge. And you know, some listening in might think two hours, like how, how in the world do you, can you justify getting just two hours of focused work in a day? But the reality is if those listening in, many photographers in our industry, and certainly I've been guilty of this over time as well, it's just an ongoing effort at refining my, my approach to workflow. 
But if, if you were to actually take an honest look at the way that you spend your time, those of you listening in, and break down, I mean, you could even go to the extent of listing out everything that you in a, do in a day and how much time you allocate to each of those things from you know taking a shower to spending time on Facebook, like you were talking about, Becker, or, or email or editing or album design or whatever it might be, literally break the whole day down and look at how much time you're spending at each of those things. And then get even more honest and look at how much focus time you're allocating to those activities. The reality is two hours of focus time would, would might even be more than you're currently spending. So I like the, I like the fact that you have set a very attainable and ultimately sustainable goal in two hours um, because that is something that it, it, consistency is so important for the sake of productivity and ultimately growing our business. So you've set an attainable goal, only four of those segments of focus time and a day and everything else is gravy. And I think, you know, this is something that we've talked about on the podcast before, but if we're spending that focus time on things that are proactive in nature, those activities that actually drive our business forward, then it makes sense that we that we can be happy with just that amount of time at the end of the day. Everything else is gravy. And, and we'll see not only that we have a lot more freedom and flexibility, but that our businesses ultimately grow and they move forward as well. Yeah, no, like I said, the focus time is, is huge. And then again, I definitely work more than the two hours basically, but it's just like, uh, again, because of my schedule now with the, with the babies and stuff, it's time where it's like, okay, when my daughter's at school in the morning, I drop her off, I come home. And then that's when I have my biggest block of time. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that. And then again, right now she's taking a nap. So I have other times. So I do a lot of my coaching calls in the afternoon, interviews, stuff like this. And so I definitely work more than two hours a day, but it's just the two hours of, of absolute focus. And my wife even knows not to bother me during that time, unless it's an absolute emergency. Yeah, You know, she doesn't ask me like little questions and she doesn't ask me to do the dishes or other things that I do often, just not during those two hours. Yes. So, you know, like I said, I protect that, but you know, I work throughout the day. And then also once we put the babies to bed, obviously I try to spend some time with my wife and stuff, but again, she's very tired being up every night with a three month old. So a yeah. lot of times she'll go to bed early and I'll get some more work done at night. So, you know, it's all good, but I just, I still just like that idea of that, that 25 minutes, five minute break. You do that a few times. And I, I feel like I'm, as productive as I've ever been. Absolutely. Although having kids, like, again, when I was running the B school and stuff like that back in the day, I, um, oh yeah, just do this, 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 this. I didn't have kids. I didn't have like, you know, <laughs> a, a family. And yep. I'm like, and all these people, I'm like, what do you mean you don't have time for this? And I'm like, oh gosh, man. Yeah. Kids. Wow. They take up a lot of time. It does make but, a difference. Nope. And I will say my kids are 16 and 13 now. It's a whole different type of time suck, if you will. And, and certainly, I mean, it's ultimately a great thing, but now I just play taxi, you know, to all to, to their, my son just started work and my daughter's got flute lessons and my son's in band. Actually, they're both in band and he's playing tennis. I mean, it, you're, and, and then he's going on dates now and spending time with friends. It, it's, it's a whole different type of time management at that point. But yeah, I totally get it. It does make a difference. But just to reiterate again, there is something significant that comes from focused time. And I'm with you. I, I do it a little bit differently in that I have, um, my goal is to accomplish three, two to three MIT's most important tasks in a day. And it's not, as you said, it's not that I'm not doing anything else, but I know that if I get those done, that my day has been highly productive, that my company is moving forward as a result. And then I can feel even better about anything else that I accomplish in that day. But uh, I love that balance. I think this is a great example for our listeners. I appreciate you sharing that. And, And speaking of that free time, like you already mentioned your family. I know that's a massive priority to you now, but how do you like to spend your free time? 
Well, if I get actual free time, again, lately I have been taking naps. Um, I just, again, I, I realized that again, sleep is so important. Yeah. Again, as, as we'll get in later talking about health and stuff like that, like um, for the longest time when I was building my business, sleep was never a priority. And I think that's why I had a lot of health issues and whatever. And now again, like I, I maybe take two naps a week because it's not like I get that much. Um, but then if I do get a free time at night or if, you know, I'm away, I still like to play poker. And so I live not too far from a casino and I, I play Texas Hold'em and I kind of, again, I kind of fancy myself as a semi wannabe halfway professional poker player. And I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I make what I like to call spending money, you know? So it's okay. like, I'm not making a career off of it, but like we're going to New York next month, a family vacation. And I, you know, brought my wife some money from last weekend's tournament win. And so she's like, great, this goes in the vacation fund. And, you know, so I, I definitely like playing cards you know, but again, most of my time is either working on my business, helping my clients, or um, again, I love, I love that I'm still self-employed. I work from home, and I do. We both, my wife and I, both are, and and we get to spend a lot of time with our kids. And my my three-year-old, she's just so fun, and she's just a little firecracker, and we have a blast. And I love that she loves school. And then I we come home and we play puzzles, and she loves when I read to her, and she's starting to become this like fun little person. She has a little personality and she has opinions and she, you know, she just like, she's like, my wife and I, sometimes she'll like be back talking, but we just have to so hard to keep a straight face because we're laughing so hard because she's just so particular about certain things. Yep. And, and it's hilarious. And I'm just like going, Oh my gosh, I, like how did this person get so strong willed so young, so early on, but you know, it's, it's been awesome. And and it's crazy because like, you know, it's, you know, I'm living in St. Louis now. It's super hot here this summer. And so when she gets up from her nap, pretty much every day or every other day, we're going to the pool. So we'll be heading over to the pool this afternoon and she loves swimming and I like staying cool. So we'll be doing <laughs> that. And, uh, you know, so like I said, lots of, lots of fun time, but I don't, I don't have nearly as much free time as I used to because I have kids now. So, and that has nothing to do with the business. So, yeah, you know, no, totally yeah. get it. You're prioritizing and, and that totally makes sense. Um, you mentioned poker actually, and I'm curious has, I, I know you've played poker for years and this could even fall under that, that question of something random that most people may not know about you. A lot of people are aware of your, your skills, but I'm wondering if those skills have carried over in any way to the way that you do business. I mean, you're even just at a basic critical thinking level. Absolutely. Well, I think poker, again, people don't realize that poker is actually a game of skill. It's not all luck. Um, there's definitely, there's definitely like good poker players on the long run are going to win better, more than no, bad poker players or right. people who don't know what they're doing. Now there is some sort of a luck factor involved. We like to say in poker, it's not about getting lucky. It's about not getting unlucky because sometimes, you know, the cards happen and the cards happen and you know, you can't control it. But again, if, like there's game theory stuff where again, if you know the math, you know, the odds, you take calculated risks. Um, there's a lot of stuff. And then there's a lot of um, intuition stuff. Poker is a game about being self-aware. Poker is about how do others perceive you? Do they perceive you as aggressive or passive or whatever and using that to your advantage? So I like it because it definitely keeps me sharp. And, and again, it's one of those things I just enjoy doing. I always really liked math and there's a lot of math in poker and, and then it's, it's a relationships, it's a people skills. It's a, you know, you know, it's, it's not just like trying to bluff and this, and that it's trying to like figure out, well, what makes sense in this situation and how do they react in this same situation when somebody else was in a hand 45 minutes ago. And so like recalling all those things. And 
So poker is super fascinating to me. The World Series is going on right now. So I've been watching a lot of that on TV. Not going to make it to Vegas. I took what I told my wife, I'm going to like, yeah, I usually go to Vegas every summer to try to get into the World Series again. I played in the main event twice, but I haven't played in it recently. And But this summer, I'm like, I'm home this summer because we have a newborn. I've canceled my Burning Man trip for this year. So I'm like, I'm going to try to be a good present father and husband That's awesome. this summer and not go off and play like I do every other year. <laughs> so, But you know, anyway, there really is something significant to be said for giving ourselves an outlet that challenges us mentally in a different way than running a photography business does. I mean, it, it's it, I, th- I think we need that break mentally, emotionally, psychologically. I, I think it's really significant. And then we can grow as individuals too if we challenge ourselves with some different. I'm getting ready to uh, to go to the racetrack with my motorcycle. I've been riding motorcycles oh, yeah. for a couple of years, but now we're going to take it to the track and it's a whole different set of skills. There's, there's a certain element of setting fear aside for the sake of learning how to ride in that environment. But I think there's something to be said for challenging ourselves with a, a skill set that is not necessarily related to photography. Yeah. Well, again, when I started playing poker, I had been basically a photographer for 20 years. And for 20 years, I talked about nothing but photography. Yeah. And then I learned poker and then, oh, I had a new interest. And again, a lot of my photographer friends also played poker with me. And so we, we would talk sometimes about photography and sometimes about poker. And then again, these last few years, you know, health and nutrition and fitness has been a really big topic. And so like, I'm really interested in that topic as well. I still enjoy photography. I still love shooting. Again, I still love playing poker, but man, now I'm really passionate about, you know, figuring out how to get in the best possible health that I can, the best possible shape that I can and helping others do the same. And so it is just kind of nice to have different, uh, different things. So it's not just talking F stops and shutter speeds and <laughs> stuff like that, you know? So absolutely. Yeah. I mean, as cliche as it is, variety is the spice of life. And and I've been, I've known people either in my family, I'm, I'm thinking of an individual or even in the industry for that matter, who are so one track minded that despite their, their strong skills in a particular area, they're relatively uninteresting otherwise. And that's the last thing that I want to be. I think it's great for our personal growth to challenge ourselves with uh, developing other skill sets. And you've certainly done that. I think it's really, really great. What's maybe something totally random that most people don't know about you? Well, you know, for a long time, I have been in the kind of the public eye in the photography community, and I'm kind of making a name for myself in the health and fitness community. And most people just assume that I'm extrovert, but I actually am an introvert. And I really, you know, I, I can go out and be on stage and do what I have to do. But I really, as far as recharging, I'm, I need my alone time, I need my downtime. And, um, and that's something that, again, most people really, you're, you're an introvert. Yeah. Cause I just, you know, I, cause I talk a lot, you know, when I, when I get the, <laughs> when I get the mic or I get the stage, I yeah. never shut up, but I'm like, I definitely need my little alone time. You know, a lot of times, like every day I, I try to go on a little walk and I listen to podcasts and I just kind of recharge and just, I need to be alone for, yes. you know, that time. And so most people don't, don't associate that with me, uh, especially if they know me. So it's kind of like, all right, well. That's, and you what, know, that's what I could thought of with that. Well, and, I'm, and this brings up a, a thought, uh, something that I've realized in, in recent years even, is the significance of independence um, in relationships. How is that, how is that exercise for you, uh, being married and having kids now, how do you maintain some of that independence and a little bit of that quiet time for the sake of mental clarity and mental health? Well, um, again, it, it, it's funny how, again, priorities change. You know, I didn't get married till I was 42 years old. I've been to 600 weddings or so wow. when I actually got married myself. And I was always that guy that thought I was just going to be single forever. I didn't want to get married. I didn't want kids. Like my whole 20s and 30s, I'm just like, ah, 
no, nah, it's not for me. I'll just go shoot these weddings. I thought it was kind of ironic that I was like the wedding photographer that was never getting married. And, <laughs> right. and, and again, I, I was, uh, I was having a great time. Business was good. I was, you know, traveling the world. I was doing fun things. I was, you know, whatever. And it, it just turns out that again, the, there was definitely something I liked about the bachelor life, but, but again, deep down, it wasn't really fulfilled and having, having met this girl, like, again, everyone's like, you moved from Southern California to St. Louis. And I just say, have you met my wife? Cause she's pretty awesome, you that's, know? That's awesome. And so, yeah. And so it's like, I don't care where I live now. Like my f- home is wherever my girls are, you know? Mm. And so I have, I got two daughters now and my family is my everything. And it's just so crazy how much different my life is now than it used to be. Yeah. When I was in California, super overweight, super successful in business, super unhappy, you know, because I just wasn't personally fulfilled. And now it's like, oh my gosh, you know, I've only been married, you know, two and a half years or something like that. So I'm not like an expert on marriage, but my wife and I, I think we have an awesome relationship. I mean, I absolutely cherish and adore her. I feel like we get along really well. And when we do fight, we fight fair. And it's like, she's just the coolest person ever. And she, she just, uh, I'm getting like seriously choked up just thinking about how awesome my wife is and how lucky I am to have her. And for someone who didn't ever really want kids, I will tell, be completely honest. Like, uh, our, our three-year-old Miss Audrey was a complete accident. That was not planned. And so <laughs> it's one of those just happy surprises. Yeah. And, and it's like, but I can't even just tell you how much I actually enjoy being a dad. And I just have so much fun. And there's definitely obviously the challenges and stuff, but right. oh my gosh, like what was I thinking not wanting kids? And what I've come to realize is I still don't really like other people's children all that much. My <laughs> kids are pretty awesome. But anyway, like I said, we're having so much fun. Good. And and again, it's like, yeah, I definitely don't get as much alone time. I don't get as much as my personally. But like I said, my wife, she lets me get out and play poker, you know, one or two nights a week. And, uh, you know, I, I still... I still have, you know, my friends in California, I have my photo friends, I have my clients, I, I definitely work hard. And, but, but if nothing else, like I posted this on Father's Day the other day, like I don't make nearly as much money as I used to, but I've never felt richer. You know, I feel like I have such an awesome relationship with my wife and I get everybody in my family super healthy and we're happy. And that's what really matters in life. Yeah. And yeah. I just kind of look back to my 20s and 30s where I was making a ton of money, but I wasn't healthy, I wasn't happy. And, you know, so it's like, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back to that for anything, you know? And it's just like, gosh, I just feel so fulfilled now. And, and like I said, I'm helping people and I enjoy doing that. And, you know, it's just, it's just, my life's just different than it used to be. And I, like I said, I, I really, I, I don't think I've ever been happier in my whole life and having an awesome partner is uh, a huge part of that, you know, and well, I'm- my wife quite awesome. So. Uh, and it, it's cool to hear how effusive you are. Um, and, and certainly, I mean, I've seen that excitement from you, at least online over the last few years, but um, to, to listen to the tone in your voice as you're describing that and what life looks like now, it, it's really a beautiful thing. And, and I'm truly happy for you, Beckard, know, having known you over the span of time and probably a good, I don't know, 10 to 12 years, if not longer now, um, to, to see where you're at now and to see that you're truly happy as an individual makes me happy. So I'm, I'm stoked to hear that. And speaking of being in business as a photographer for a while, tell us just kind of a little bit of the backstory. How did you get started? What did that look like? Yeah, back in the 1980s. Okay. So I actually, <laughs> I actually picked up a camera in 89. Okay. I was a junior in high school yeah. and I was taking an art class and the art, the 
the art teacher that I had was actually the school's photo teacher. He taught like five periods of photo and one period of art. And I took his art class and he was a really cool teacher. He's like, Hey, you should take photography. And so I'm like, sure. I signed up and signed up for his photography class in the fall of 89. And I checked out a Minolta X 700 camera from the school, all yeah. manual focus, manual camera. Yeah. And I just fell in love with photography. And I, the thing is the teacher was super awesome teacher. And I still keep in touch with him this to this day. And that's going on 30 years. It'll be 30 years next year. That's and incredible. So I've, I've, I've kept in touch with this teacher since I've graduated. I've gone back to my high school and spoke several times. And then he, he retired a few years ago, but you know, it's one of those things like I just picked up a camera and there was something about developing the, the prints in the dark room where you put the, the photo paper into the, into the, you know, developer and watching the picture come up, you know, it's like magic. And I thought, Oh my God, this is so cool. And also again, going back even to my high school years, like I grew up kind of a chunky little kid overweight. I wasn't really good at sports. I didn't, I would, but I was finally good at something, or at least I thought I was. And I was told that I was, you know, I started taking pictures and you know, the, 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 teacher just really encouraged me. And then I did the school newspaper and yearbook. And the guy who ran the school newspaper was like, you are a really talented photographer. And I was like, really? Am I? Like, I had no idea. <laughs> but he, but again, someone, but I was finally good at something because I wasn't good at sports. And, and, you know, I just, again, in high school, like I said, I was overweight and all this stuff. And then I, I just fell in love with photography and I started working at a photo lab and the guy who owned the photo lab, who I also still keep in touch with, he showed me how to build a little business. He, he taught me how to hustle. And so so here I am a senior in high school and I made $30,000 in one month, you know, in, as a 17 year old. Oh my word. And yeah, it was at Christmas time. And so I was shooting family portraits and selling Christmas cards and selling wall portraits. And again, this is in, this is in, uh, in 1990. And so, I mean, that was a lot of money back then. My parents were like, wait, what, how much money? <laughs> you know, and it was just kind of crazy. Cause this, like I said, this guy really taught me how to build a business and he taught me how to hustle. And I just started shooting whatever I could. I even had t-shirts made back then. There was a, there was an ad campaign, local ad. It was like, been there, done that, been there, done that. And so I had t-shirts made that said, been there, shot that. Yeah. And, and it said it a few times and I, cause I was shooting, I was shooting pet portraits. I was shooting food photography. I was shooting real estate. I was shooting actors, headshots, model portfolios. I was literally whatever someone wanted to pay me for, I would shoot. And again, I worked at this photo lab and I was doing all this stuff. And then it wasn't, it wasn't until a few years later where I kind of fell into weddings and I really fell in love with that. That was a, gosh, that was over 20 years ago. It was 97 when I started shooting weddings and and, and once I started doing weddings, everything else kind of took a back seat. And I really enjoyed doing wedding photography and kind of made a nice little name for myself and made a really good business. And like I said, I just really enjoyed shooting. And I still do. I still enjoy photography. I, I'm at just this point now, now where I just don't enjoy running the business of photography so much, sure. dealing with the clients. And that's why, you know, I think I told you before we started, but like, I'm, my wife and I are about to come out with a combined website where it's the Beckers instead of the Becker.com, you know? Yeah. And it's going to be, my wife's going to actually run that company. And if basically if they pick our top two packages, they get both of us. If they pick the bottom two packages, they just get my wife, you know? And so, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, Hey, that's going to be great. And then I can focus on my other businesses and my other ventures and stuff. And so, but like I said, I still, still enjoy shooting. It's super fun. Photography has been always very fulfilling and, you know, I just love just playing around and shooting random photos. And I mean, I love the great cameras and the iPhones these days. And, you know, we're always taking pictures of the kids and 
you know, stuff like that. So. Well, and you've got a huge, in fact, I was just showing the series to my girlfriend in the last couple of days because I, I was talking to her about the fact that I was going to have you on the podcast. You've got a great series of images from Burning Man that you've done over the oh, years. They're yeah. just beautiful. Um, Thank you. Yeah, that that is a fun little thing that I do. Like I said, every year, except for this year, I'm taking a year off. But um, but yeah, I love going out there and just photographing all these crazy people in the desert. And it's a big old party and it's a big family. And the people that I go with, uh, I just love them to death. And and so, like again, I, photography for the longest time has been my job, but it also is my hobby. So I don't get paid to shoot at Burning Man or you know or my personal work. I, I love to shoot just to shoot because photography is really rewarding. It's really fun. It's really awesome. Well, and and, and it's it sounds almost again kind of cliche. Like you would say that it's awesome to be a photographer, but you are one of the few people that I've known in the industry who like 110%, I believe it because it comes through mm-hmm. in the way that you talk about it, the way that you act. And you, you have been in the industry for a while. In fact, I had Mike Cologne on the podcast not very long ago. And I remember back in the day when I was looking at wedding photography books, trying to figure out how to be a wedding photographer myself. And I was seeing your name and I was seeing Mike's name and the books and you guys were the ones that we were looking up to. So I appreciate what all you have done for the industry and, and now are continuing to do in the industry, certainly with photography, but more specifically with health, which we're going to get to here in just a second. But I'm curious with your experience in the industry, what's one of the toughest lessons that you've learned as a business owner so far? Well, uh, I, I think, uh, I mean, there's been lots over the years, but I think what happened was, again, I found early success. And I, again, my first full year in weddings, I shot 61 weddings first full year in business. And it was kind of like, wow, that was a lot. And, you know, it was like, and I, and again, back then young brash, you know, I was making money. I was again, feeling good. I was probably a little too cocky, but I really kind of thought I was God's gift to photography. I was like, (laughs) Oh my God, everybody is just hiring me and they are just throwing cash at me. And I just keep raising my rates and they keep hiring me and everything is great. And again, it was kind of fun, you know, speaking at WPPI and going around and doing all these different workshops and teaching and met all these other photographers and connected with all these people. And it was all great. And like I said, I, I really felt like I had a good business and I really enjoyed what I was doing. And then I think the biggest mistake that I ever made was I got a little complacent. Hmm. I got a little, you know, as I started building the B school and teaching other photographers, like I knew what it took to, to build a business and build a brand and build reputation and all that stuff. And, and I started teaching other photographers. And when I did that, as I was teaching them, I wasn't actually taking my own advice. I wasn't doing the things that I had done to build my business. I kind of just kind of coasted a little bit. And I don't know if it was intentional or I just kind of figured like, oh, business is so good. It'll always be good. But I wasn't hustling like I used to. And I wasn't, also I was distracted. I wasn't just running a wedding business right. anymore. Now I was helping, I was running an education business. And yeah. I was teaching photographers. So my time kind of definitely got split. And so, you know, here I am helping all these photographers that are starting to really kick butt and making me real proud and watching them do good. And that was good. And then I realized, oh, wow, I don't have as, nearly as many weddings this year as I did. And that all kind of went right around with the timing of the economy going bad. And mm. so it was like, man, I went from doing really, really well to, oh, wait, whoa, what happened? You know, and so, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think I just kind of, uh, again, I got complacent and I lost my, I think I lost that that edge, if you will. You know, yeah. I was thinking that the, the Dos Equis commercial, like stay thirsty, my friends. Yeah, like, absolutely. I wasn't, I wasn't thirsty anymore. I was like, I was fine. I was good. And so it's like, all right. And, and so it was crazy too. When I moved to St. Louis, I've been in St. Louis now four years now as of like last week. And wow. so 
yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy how time flies, but like I moved to St. Louis and I figured like, okay, here I am, this kind of big time photographer from Southern California. I'm just going to come to St. Louis. Everyone's going to throw <laughs> work at me. And, and it was like, uh, that was a really humbling experience. Sure. So I came here and I met with a few wedding coordinators and God bless them. They were like, wow, this is really impressive. Some of these wedding, cause again, I like the weddings in Southern California, I, they're just a higher caliber than yeah. weddings in most other places. Sure. And so like the detail photos and the, just the, 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 the access to the quality of weddings that we go to are different, but you know, so wedding coordinators, they gave me a shot. A lot of them referred me and, you know, like I said, I've been in this business a long time. So I was pretty good at, you know, making friends and being personable and, and all that stuff. But then when I actually met with the clients, you know, I met with my very first couple in St. Louis and I met them at this local coffee shop, um, and I go through and I'm showing my albums and we're chatting it up and they're laughing at my jokes and we have this nice rapport. Well, I bust out my price sheet at the end of the meeting and oh, like, oh, okay, well, which package do you like? And the guy literally stood up and he goes, come on, honey, we're leaving. And, Whoa. and he just, just like, like he's put, he poked it like, pointed at like my middle package. He goes, that's the budget for our entire wedding. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, you know? So I'm like, Oh, I obviously didn't do a very good job of pre-qualifying these people, even though right on my wife, my website, it always said kind of where I start and what most people spend, but you know, it was like, Oh crap. And then I just realized, yeah, people don't spend nearly as much here as they do at home. But the nice thing is, is it's a lot cheaper to live here. So I could actually lower my rates and, you know, and still be profitable and, right. and all that stuff. So everything's relative, but, but the bottom line is right around this time, you know, again, I'm going through all these changes with my own health and stuff like that. And I just, I just kind of started shifting focus and I started, you know, I don't know if this is a good time to transition to what I'm doing now, but like, again, I was literally, when I came here, I was like, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't as hungry to go get those weddings. I didn't want to try to start over because, again, I was solely established in Southern California. And I, for the first two years, I was flying back and forth all the time. But then when you don't live there, you know, I'm not keeping up with the coordinators back home as much. And so I'm not getting as many referrals from back home. And so, like I said, it just seemed like a good time to kind of pivot. And and like I said, I was helping people um, with their health and fitness and all that stuff. And so I, I've just kind of been working on that lately. Yeah. And that is a great, great opportunity to kind of segue into our, our primary focus today. And, and that has to do with your health journey. So kind of take us back. What did that, what did the beginnings look like and where are you at now with it? Yeah. Well, so what happened was again, my whole life here, I was the single guy living alone, traveling the world, shooting photos and, you know, having a good time and, you know, eating at restaurants and hotels and airports and just kind of traveling. And like I said, I was single and I lived alone and I didn't really know how to cook. So, Hey, one night it was PF Chang's. The other night it was California pizza kitchen. And I just (laughs) was like, and again, I was making really good money. And I just, like I said, I didn't know how to cook. I had a house cleaner at home, which was great. And this girl came every Tuesday and cleaned my house. And I wish I had had someone like actually cook me healthy food or whatever, but I was, I was just eating crap, you know, and I didn't know any better. And I might, I might've cooked one meal a week at home, you know, and every other time it was either fast food or going out. And, um, and I just, I mean, again, I was always a big kid, but, but I just started really putting on weight and, you know, and even though I, everyone's why I'd hire a personal trainer because I would never just go to the gym. Cause it's like, uh, nothing makes you go to the gym, but when you hire a personal trainer, you show up because you pay them whether you show up or not. You right. know, so I didn't want to waste my money. So I'd, I'd go to the personal trainer and yeah, I might get a little stronger, but I wasn't ever like dropping pounds or anything like that. So honestly, I, again, I got to give you major props. I ran into you at photo plus, I believe it was in 2010 
and in October. And I was like, holy crap, Nathan dropped some weight. And I was like, <laughs> uh, and I hadn't seen you in a long time. Cause yep. obviously we were living in different parts of the country, but yeah. I was like, I was like, dang, you lost some weight, boy. And, and you kind of told me a little about what you're doing. And that was right around the time where Tim Ferriss came out with his four-hour body book. Yep. And I'd already read his four-hour work week, which I love that whole idea. And that's kind of what launched the whole idea of the B-School a few years earlier. So I was a big Tim Ferriss fan. And I just, um, the week before Christmas in 2010, I decided to try to go on a low-carb diet. I figure if you can diet at Christmas time, you can diet anytime. And so I just started doing the low carb thing. Fast forward uh, a, a year, I'm, I'm down 70 pounds in a year. Wow. And I just like, was like, oh, I just felt amazing. And I yeah. was just like, oh my gosh, so cool. And, and just started doing that, you know, that, that low carb thing with the built-in cheat days every week, which was great because if it was like, if it was Thursday night and you were craving something, you were just like, oh, if I can just hold out till Saturday, yep. I can have it guilt-free. And <laughs> yep. so there's definitely something mental about that. Uh -huh. And so again, I lost the 70 pounds and I basically kept the 70 pounds off for like two years after that, uh, within a couple pounds, obviously. And, you know, I just kind of was doing this low carb lifestyle. And then at the time though, you know, I went through a breakup and I met this new girl from the Midwest. And then it was the back and forth trips from Southern California to St. Louis and, you know, whatever. And that was also the time the B school was kind of winding down. Cause you know, we, we did that for seven years and then we were closing that. I started another little photography thing that didn't really ever take off and, you know, yada, 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 stress, all this stuff. Yep. The weight slowly starts coming back on. Okay. And, sure. and again, the, the cheat days turn into cheat weekends yep. or cheat weeks. <laughs> I, I was really good at eating clean at home because I did learn how to cook finally. Right. And I actually enjoyed eating kind of this low carb lifestyle. Well, and it's so but much again, easier the, when you actually control what's sitting in that pantry versus when you go somewhere yes. else and it's just any and everything is available. Right. And that's the thing. And then when you're traveling, it's kind of like all bets were off. And so I was super good at eating clean at home. But when I traveled, I was eating crap. And then the problem was I, back then I was traveling so much, um, not just again, coming back and forth to St. Louis dating Ashley, but you know, I still had all these destination weddings and I was speaking at this conference and I was going over here. And, and I mean, I think there was like the first quarter of, I don't know, 2014, I think I was only home for like 10 days out of the entire quarter. And I was on the road for 80 days. And, and then, you know, then I ended up moving to St. Louis. And then again, we find out we're having a, a kid and I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, so we're, we're, we're shooting a destination wedding in Jamaica while my wife is like seven months pregnant. It's yeah. like two months before the baby's due. Okay. And I noticed I'd been gaining, I, I, I'd been gaining some weight back. So I'm like, uh, all right, as soon as we get back from Jamaica, I'm going to get back on on track. So of course we're in Jamaica, this all inclusive resort. So I got to get my money's worth. So I'm eating like five or six self-serve ice cream cones a day, Yeah, you know, and I'm, Oh, Oh yeah. Bring a pizza over here. And I'm going through the buffet and you know, so I'm just like, Oh, this is not good. But I, that's when I literally on the beach in Jamaica, I bought beckergetsfit.com and I just connected it to like a little Tumblr blog. And I'm like, I got to get back on track because I know I gained some weight back, even though I hadn't actually weighed in. So we get back from Jamaica and I weigh in and I'm like, oh my God, I gained half the weight back. Oh no. So I was like, I was down 70 pounds and I gained 35 pounds back and I was super bummed. And, but then it was like, okay, look, I've got a baby coming in like, you know, 
two months. So I need to get back on track and I got to figure this out once and for all. So even though I'd just been doing Tim's basically the low carb plan, that's when I actually found out about the ketogenic diet, you know, and my wife bought me a book and it's called Eat Bacon, Don't Jog. And I thought, oh my God, this is the best book ever because I love bacon (laughs) and I, and I hate, and I hate jogging. And my wife bought it, I think as like a gag gift, but I read this book and from what I knew about about low carb and what I knew just from my own personal experience, I'm reading this book and I'm going, Oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. Oh my gosh, this is yes. And so we get back from Jamaica and I just kind of go into this, this new thing. And again, I have this new little blog and I'm just sharing, I'm just taking pictures of my food. This is what I'm eating. Here's my workout for the day. This is what I'm doing. Yada, yada, you know, and I wasn't killing myself workouts, just some basic little things. And, and that's when I, I lost that 35 pounds that I had gained back like right away, like almost a month, maybe a wow. month and a half. I'm down the down back down 70 pounds. Well, then I just kept going. And so what I did is I just threw up a little Facebook post and I, I started a Facebook group and I just said to any of my photographer friends, I'm like, Hey, if you guys want to lose some weight, I figured out a really cool way to lose weight. And I, I just kind of, I just said, Hey, pay, PayPal me a couple bucks. I charged them like a hundred bucks and they could join my little group. And then like 50 people join and together we lost like a thousand pounds in a hundred days, you know, and I did this little like challenge and it was just kind of like, okay, Hey, try this and see how it works. And then I just thought like, wow, this is really cool. And people were really liking it. And it was like this nice camaraderie thing. And then again, as I'm doing this now, I'm just learning more and more about nutrition and I'm, I'm really pumped up because all the stuff that I'm learning is like, exactly the opposite of what we were taught about nutrition growing up. And it's just like, Oh, so I, you know, I, I, I buy a couple of websites. I start putting together an actual official challenge. Cause the first thing was literally just a Facebook group and I would make little daily videos or send out some things. And so I felt like, well, again, knowing about what I know about business and being, you know, scalable and being efficient, I just started, instead of making the videos every time there was a challenge, I just started recording them. So I started recording the, Hey, here's the week one plan. Eat this, do this, watch out for this. This is what you might think. This is the mental struggle or the mental battle you're going to go through. And I just started recording all these videos and I just started helping people. I, I, I built a site it's called the lazy man's challenge. Cause my point was like, Hey, you can lose weight without working out, you know, which yep. is again, exactly opposite of kind of the traditional model of, you know, eat less, move more. Yes. And, and I wanted to prove you could do that. So I basically, lost a hundred pounds without working out. I mean, I exercised very, very rarely, but it wasn't like I was jogging or doing any crazy cardio or anything like that. And I just changed my diet and the weight just came off. Hmm. And so I did that for a while. And, and like I said, helped a couple hundred people go through this program and people were dropping pounds left and right. And then not that, not only were they dropping weight, but then they were getting healthier. They were feeling better. They had more energy And I just decided like, gosh, I just kind of felt compelled as a former fat person. Like, I feel like this is now my calling is to help these people that have struggled with their weight or struggled with, you know, body issues or whatever. And I just learned so much about nutrition. And I think the best, best advice is ignore your doctor, ignore everything they ever taught you about nutrition and pretty much do the exact opposite and you'll be healthy and fit and lean. And so (laughs) this is where I, this is where I enter one of those, those kind of caveat. We are not a doctor. Uh, Yeah. Disclaimer. I do that all the time. I do that all the time. This is not medical advice. Uh, I have my site is 
is just riddled with disclaimers. And then about every four <laughs> videos, I'm like, hey, just so you guys know, just because I think your doctor is an idiot, you have to decide for yourself. Right, you know? Right. Anyway, so yeah, it's kind of crazy. And I actually hate all that legal stuff that you have to be so uh, whatever these days, all litigious. And but, but to but, your hey. point, it, it is very true that there has been so much advice, not only that has been given, but sadly, that even currently is being given or for that matter, not given. I mean, the whole nutritional aspect of medical practice is, well, it's non-existent, it seems, at least in most medical practices still. It's so sad that doctors don't start with nutrition and basic sleep and stress management. Instead, it's here's a pill. And yeah. um, there are so many simpler, or at least healthier solutions anyway, to addressing many of the issues that exist out there that do largely stem from nutrition and sleep and stress management. So but, I, I totally but, get where you're coming from. But Nathan, there's no money in that. You know, how, how is the pharmaceutical company going to make money if they can't sell you drugs? If you could just change your diet and reverse diabetes, which is possible, which right. they don't want you to know that, but it's, it's crazy. There's just, it all comes down to the money. I read something the other day that they talked about like for every percentage overweight you are, you know, according to that BMI chart, the higher you go up on that scale, the more profit you are to the food industry, the pharmaceutical industry, and the medical establishment, because you're going to have more medical procedures, you're going to take more drugs, you're going to buy more food. So it, again, it's just kind of crazy. Like they, it's huge, huge business. Food is like $3.1 trillion a year in America. The fitness industry is $150 billion. The pharmaceuticals, $500 billion. And so there's just, there's a lot of money to be made by not telling people how to actually do this, you know, like you can fix it with, with meat and vegetables. Wait, what? You know, like it's just, it's crazy. And so, well, uh, it is fascinating too. It does break kind of the standard protocol or recommendations advice that we've seen not only in pop culture, but in the news and even health books over the years that diet actually is more important when it comes to losing weight than exercise. I mean, I've certainly seen this for myself. In fact, to the extent that when we're talking about the idea of stress management and diet, I, my body leans up personally to the extent of very obvious abs. And I'm almost 40 years old when I just am eating clean and getting enough rest mm-hmm. when I'm managing stress and I'm, and I'm managing the nutrition that the food that is coming into my body, I can lean out very, very, very quickly. And that, that just goes against what most people think that they have to be, you know, spending an hour a day on the treadmill or the elliptical machine and pushing their bodies to no end when the reality is that the stress that comes from that type of workout can actually be detrimental to the effort to lose weight. Exactly. And exercise actually makes people hungry. And so people tend to overeat because they did exercise. How many times do you see someone like, Hey, I ran a marathon. So I'm going to have these cupcakes or I have this beer or not. Maybe they didn't run a marathon. I went for a jog for 45 minutes. Well, it's like when you jog for 45 minutes and you eat a cupcake, you need to jog for like four more hours to work off that cupcake. And so the whole calories in calories out theory is just absolute BS. And people always think, uh, eat less and move more. And exercise has a lot of great benefits. Absolutely. Weight loss, weight loss just isn't one of them. So again, and that's what I proved with my, my challenge, my lazy man's challenge is basically like, okay, you can actually, again, I, I tell people all the time, if you're getting up early to go to the gym, you are actually better off sleeping in and resting your body yep. and then just controlling your nutrition. Cause I would say 80% of weight loss is nutrition. About 10% is sleep and stress management and about 10% is movement or activity. Mm. And it's not even talking about, I'm not even talking about uh, cardio or anything like that. You want to lo- lose more weight, lift weights instead of jog. You right. know, that's going to be a much better metabolically for you. 
And so it's just, but people don't know that because people like, oh, well, Jane Fonda and Richard Simmons, and they all said this, <laughs> we had to, you know, all this stuff that again, we just were taught for our entire lives just isn't, doesn't actually stand up when you look at the data, when you look at the science and, you know, everyone has their different beliefs. And that's the thing about nutrition, just like religion and politics, religion is based on a belief system. Hmm. You know, you believe what you were taught when your parents, just like most people are the same religion that their parents are. Most people are the same political party that their parents are. And most people eat the kind of the same way they were brought up eating, Interesting, you know, and then the difference with the, with politics and religion, those are a matter of faith or perspective where uh, nutrition is actually a matter of biology. So you might believe something about nutrition, but you know what? That doesn't mean you're right. You know, you, you're entitled to your own beliefs, but not your own set of the facts. And well, it's just hard because you can make a study show anything and then companies do all the time. Coca-Cola will sponsor this study that says, oh, do this, 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 this. Our product's totally safe. I'm like, no, your product's giving everybody diabetes, but you know, whatever. <laughs> well, and, and yeah. it's interesting that you make that point uh, about the difference between something as, as uh, potentially controversial as, as politics and religion and our, and our health. Our, a number of years ago, actually, I because I was having certain issues physically, I went and had a not just your basic blood panel that you get when you when you get a physical, but a a full panel that was pages of data mm-hmm. and ultimately numbers back. And I was able to make some very concerted choices about uh, changes not only to my diet, but even the types of pans that I was cooking on, the types of shampoo or body wash that I was using to address, largely to address hormonal issues. And mm-hmm. it was interesting to, to be able to actually treat my body almost like a machine because largely it does function that way and then see those numbers change as a result. So no longer does it become, as you say, an issue of belief, but it's it's an objective conversation. And and while different people's body chemistries um, will respond differently to different types of, of uh, diet or type of eating, style of eating, there are basic principles that tend to apply to most people. And, and part of those, uh, we've already alluded to, both the significance of nutrition for the sake of weight loss, the significance of sleep for that very purpose, and how stress management plays into that as well. It's, it's a really, really big deal. And, and so I want to make this tangible and practical for those who are listening in right now. And I know that you could go into much further depth and we'll let those listeners know how they can find or learn more about ketology and this coaching uh, business that you're running now so that they can learn more details. But can you give us maybe just for a practical, for the, for the sake of practical conversation, a few of maybe the biggest causes of weight gain, especially amongst photographers and the photographer lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, what it comes down to, again, a lot of people, the traditional advice is eat less, move more. And again, if we're sitting at our computers all day and we're not being very active, we assume that that's going to just make us, you know, heavy. And it, it really doesn't have to based on, again, what food you fuel your body with, you know, and you said the keyword just a minute ago, and you said hormones, you know, and you were talking about, again, the pans, the products, all the different things. And I think most people still think weight gain or weight loss is about calories. And in a very small part, it is, but it really is about hormones. It's how those, it's not the quantity of calories that matter, it's the quality. And because different foods affect your hormones differently, and that's what triggers your body to either store fat or lose fat. So what I tell people, Again, um, or what I have set up personally myself, like I'm sitting down at a desk right now on my iMac and this is where I do my chats and my coaching calls, but my laptop is actually over on a shelf, on a bookshelf. And so whenever I'm doing emails, I literally just stand up and I'm not talking doing like crazy workouts, but I stand up when I return to all my emails. And so exercise 
yeah, it's good for you. But what's more important is movement. Hmm. Okay. And not just sitting there, not being stationary. So if you can just move a little bit. Also, when I get on the phone, when I take any of my phone calls, I'm always got my AirPods in and I just pace and I walk up and down, whether it's a coaching call or a new client call. Because also when you're on the phone and you're especially you're talking to clients, you want to have good energy and be up instead of just sitting back in a chair or laying down. Yeah. You, know, you could tell that I'm like slouched back and my <laughs> voice changes. Yep. And it's like, no, you want to sit up, have good posture, smile, you know, that kind of stuff. That's just good for business. Cause if you can come through on the phone, that's why, again, I look back at my photography career and the reason I was able to book so many destination weddings. Yeah. I think our website was good, but when the people actually called me, like you can hear when you're talking to me, you can hear the passion in my voice. And yes. I'm showing up at your wedding and I like to show up as if I was an old friend with a fancy camera and I just want you guys to have fun and enjoy it. And I'll let you know if I need your attention and you smile at my camera a little bit, but just, just have a good day. I'm going to shoot most of the day very photojournalistic. People pick up on that and they know that it's not just some cheesy sales pitch where you should hire me because I'm really good. People, <laughs> like, like tone and yes. all that stuff. Yep. But then a lot of it comes from body language. And if you're on the phone, they can't see body language, but people can hear that. So, yep. uh, so again, get up, get up off your butt and stand up at your laptop, stand up when you're on the phone, little things like that. But then the other thing is, again, I know this was my, my big issue. Okay. Living alone, working from home. Yeah. I go out and shoot weddings on Saturdays, but every other day I was pretty much in the office and it was like, Oh, it's 11 o'clock. I'm going to go downstairs and have some cookies or some pretzels or a snack. And when you're just constantly feeding yourself crap, well, the weight is coming. You're going you're gonna to put on weight. And again, you, you mentioned everybody processes it differently. Some people can get away with more. I know there's some kind of people that can just eat whatever they want and they don't gain weight. And those are the people that, oh, that low carb, that's BS because I can eat this. I'm like, you, you can, but uh, most people can't. And it really just comes down to figuring out what works for you and how your body's going to react. And a lot of people don't know until they actually try something and just go, okay. There's some people, oh, the thought of giving up bread, I could never do that. I'm like, well, if you think you can't, you probably can't. But, you know, if you give up bread for three weeks, you'll probably never miss it. You'll feel so much better. And, you know, that's what all the people that I've been coaching have figured out and, you know, so like I said, we're just trying to help people. And for me, it's like, it's not even about weight loss anymore. I don't even care about losing more weight. I still got a couple pounds to lose, you know, really, but I don't care about weight loss. I eat this way because it's healthy and I eat this way because I have endless energy. When you're fueled by fat, it's just way better than being fueled by glucose. And I don't get that, that carb crash. I don't get that sugar cycle going up and down every day. I just have this nice, even steady energy every day where I feel like I can take on the world and again, it's just, it's, I just feel good. So I'm going to keep eating this way. Well, and, and I love that you make, first of all, when you're talking about the significance of movement, what you're recommending that photographers do is not a massive change to their lifestyle. You're just simply talking about standing up when you're working or walking while you make phone calls. I mean, I, this is an interesting point, actually, because I've looked at on days where I've had a phone call or two and I've spent, you know, maybe 20 minutes or 30 minutes on the phone. I'll walk a good mile, mile and a half as I'm pacing within my apartment while I'm having a phone call. And just that little bit of movement, if nothing else, helps improve insulin sensitivity and blood flow. And, and those 
small changes that you can make to your life on a day-to-day basis. They're not overwhelming. They are incremental. And you can begin movement in the direction of improving your health in that way. I think that's a really great recommendation. And to that point, you talk about eating healthier. Are there small changes? Um, like what was an incremental change or a small change that you, that you made in your diet, the way that you ate on a day-to-day basis that helped begin that process of losing weight? Well, again, going back to Tim's plan, it was the, his slow carb plan. And what it was, was you don't eat sugar and you don't eat grains. Okay. Those were the two big things because those were carbohydrates that turned to high insulin. And the way the body works is when you have high insulin, your body stores fat. When your insulin is low, your body burns fat. And that is a pretty much universal fact for 99.9% of the people on the planet. Right. So again, whether you believe it's going to work or not, it doesn't like science doesn't care what you believe. This is just how, (laughs) this is just how human, human physiology works. And so, you know, it's like those things and it's, it's hard to do it uh, little by little. You kind of have to go to cold turkey. I found like you could do it slowly, but the more sugar that you keep in your body, sugar is very addictive. And so people, it's hard to do it. You just kind of have to just go, okay, hey, cold turkey. If you cut out the sugar, you cut out the grains. I mean, that means no rice, no bread, no pasta, no staples, you know? And, and, and people ask me what I eat. And it's like, well, I eat meat and vegetables, basically, for the most part. And, you know, sometimes it does get a little bit boring, but for it tastes really good. So like, again, I eat bacon cheeseburgers pretty much like every other day, you know, and put some avocado in it. I just don't eat the bun and they're really, really tasty. and They're really good. And so I'm like, Oh, that's, that. it's not like when I was dieting back in the day, I'd be on a low fat diet and I'd be having like ground Turkey, which is so boring and disgusting and bland and uh, it's hard to choke down. But so again, it just, it's like, People have to really want to do it, you know? And, right. and the thing is, if someone is out there and they want to lose like 20 pounds, okay, just cut back on the sugar and grains and that will help. But the thing is, if you're, if you have 50 pounds or more to lose, that's when you're going to like, if you have to lose 20 pounds, cutting out all this stuff out of your life is kind of too drastic and people aren't going to do it. But if you've got 50 pounds or more to lose, Hey, it depends. Do you want that pizza more than you want a better body or better health? Because that's what it's really, it's about health. Weight loss just happens to be an awesome side effect of cutting that kind of crap out of your life, cutting the sugar, the grains. And then we also tell people to cut out the processed oils, all the vegetable oils, all the, all the healthy fats that they taught us were healthy, like the corn oil and canola oil, all that is absolutely toxic. And, you know, there's all these people that, oh, no, I'm full of gum, I'm just a quack, I don't know what I'm talking about. But all those people have a vested interest in selling you these products. But it's like, oh, that's really not good for you. And the studies are pretty clear. If you actually look into the stuff, it's pretty obvious that, oh, the more vegetable oil you eat, the higher risk of heart attack you have. The more saturated fat you eat, the lower your risk of heart attack is, which I know sounds totally opposite of everything we've ever been taught. It sounds crazy, but it's true. Well, and this is, it's such a loaded topic. And so, as I mentioned earlier, what I want to do here as as we close out is to make sure our listeners know where they can go and find uh, you online so that they can reach out to you, ask questions that they might have, maybe set up some coaching uh, consultations. Uh, But just one last question for you, because you alluded to this already, and I think this is a really important topic that we touch on, and that is the topic of motivation. Because Mm -hmm. while you and I have both had really wonderful experiences, I've I've lost about 60 pounds myself, and I feel... to your point, I, I feel incredible. And that so much of the change in lifestyle, and, you know, there's a lot of conversation actually in our culture these days about being comfortable in your body. And I understand where that comes from. But the flip side of that conversation is those who are kind of 
set on this idea of feeling comfortable with where they're at don't realize what they're missing out on, how you can feel uh, on a day-to-day basis, especially when it comes to your energy, when you aren't carrying around extra weight. And so how you feel is a big part of it. But in order to get to that place, you have to have a motivational factor, a series of motivational factors, and they have to be bigger than you know, just, uh, I want to lose five pounds. There's got to be a bigger why. Kind of like when we talk about running a business and establishing a healthy business, it's good to have a bigger why, something that's even bigger than yourself that drives what you do. How can our listeners establish a, a healthy motivation that will drive the change in their life for the sake of their health? Yeah, well, as far as motivation goes, well, one thing b- before I start there, you mentioned something. We have a saying that says you're allowed to be a masterpiece and a work in progress all at the same time. So I think it's really important for self-love, no matter how you like look that. or how you feel. It's like if you don't love yourself, like, hey, what's the point? You know, so right. you need to like embrace where you're at. And I think the goal is not to compare yourself to other people. It's it's like compare yourself to where you were yesterday. So making progress. So again, there's there's basically they talk about the two different kinds of motivation. There's the carrot or there's the stick. You know, there's the hey, if you don't do this, this bad thing's gonna happen to you. Or hey, if you do this, you're gonna get a reward, you know. Um, but real motivation actually it has to, it's called intrinsic motivation. You have to actually want it. Okay. So again, if your spouse is nagging you to lose weight or if somebody else is trying to force this on you, it's not going to be very successful. You might do it short term, but the thing is you really have to want it. And for me, again, I was, I struggled my whole life. And so I tried a million different diets, all kinds of shakes, supplements, pills, personal trainers. I've tried everything over the years, nothing stuck. Okay. And then when I finally found something that stuck, uh, again, well, again, I did the four, the four hour body. I lost the 70 pounds, but then I gained the weight back. Old habits started creeping in all that stuff. For me, the motivation was my daughter, mm. okay, my first daughter, because again, I was about to be a dad. I became a dad at 41 compared yeah. to when my, when my dad was 41, I was 20. So like I'm an older first time dad. And now I have my second kid at 44 and I would like to be around for to watch my girls grow up. Also, my wife is about 12 years younger than me. You know, I like to refer to her as my, you know, young, sexy, hot wife. You know? So, <laughs> so I, I want to look good for my wife. Absolutely. I don't want people, I just don't want, I don't want people just assuming that we're together because I'm super rich because I'm not, but, um, you know, like I, I want to like, wait, why is she with that guy? I want to look good for my family. And again, it really comes down to, it's not vanity. It's, it really is about health. And I eat this way because again, it's healthy and I have incredible energy. So it just depends. Like if you're just going through life and you're fine where you're at, cool, no worries. But if you're unhappy, just know that there is a different alternative. And again, if you can get over the fact that giving up bread is not that big of a deal, I don't care how much you like bread. Cause I promised I liked it more. Uh, again, when you saw me at almost 300 pounds, like, dude, I ate everything and I loved food and I still love food, but I just decide that nothing tastes as good as, you know, being fit and healthy feels. And now again, it comes down to that energy and I just feel good every day. And that's why I'm on this mission. And that's why even after all these years, as almost 30 years in the photography industry, I just feel compelled to help people because I know what it's like to struggle. And I know what it's like to try another diet and fail or try this and it doesn't work. And I know, I just know, like, I mean, I used to just hate being overweight. I hated that all my friends were fit and I was fat and it was just like, oh, I just hated it. And now I'm like, oh, I did something about it. And now it, it just feels good helping other people. And, and like I said, I do it for my family. I do it for myself. I just do it 
again, I, I want to try to be an inspiration to others. Because again, if you would have known me back then, and I know you knew me, but I mean, my, like the, the stuff that I used to eat on a regular basis is is like now it's like I'm embarrassed by it. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I used to eat. I mean, I, I two different times in my life I was asked to leave Sizzler. You know, it's the all you can eat thing. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so it's like like I would just put away crap. And, you know, and now it's just like, man, I just feel so much better. And I still eat plenty of food. I don't count calories. I just, you know, I just avoid certain foods and I eat tons of others. And again, it feels good. And now I'm just on the mission where I'm like, hey, trying to help as many people as I can. Uh, Again, I still love helping photographers because that's the world that I grew up in, the world that I know. I still love taking pictures. I'm, I'm, you know. But again, it's just like like we've mentioned earlier. There's a couple different facets to my life now, and I just feel like, all right, never been happier, and I'm really happy trying to help as many people as I possibly can. Well, and, and again, I'm. It's really cool to actually hear genuine passion in your voice, and and I want our listeners to be able to have access to more of that. So, if you don't mind sharing with our listeners where they can find you, but both your websites, um, but then also find you online through social media as well, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm on pretty much every social media at The Becker. And then my my main website for the, the health and fitness stuff is called ketology.co. It's K-E-T-O-L-O-G-Y dot C-O. Uh, there's nothing on the dot com. I tried to buy it, but there's nothing there. And it's driving me crazy, but whatever. <laughs> um, you know, and so I actually have a free thing. Another site that you can go to the ketocrashcourse.com. It's absolutely free. And it just shows people the basics about the keto diet. Here's what it is. Here's how to get started. Here's why it's safe. You don't have to worry about saturated fat, raising your cholesterol, and clogging your arteries, because that doesn't happen, even though you know, most people would say that that is how it happens, but, but again, it's, you'll probably get some hate mail from this, um, from this podcast, people saying I'm recommending all this dangerous stuff and all that, but it's just crazy how the stuff that we were taught about nutrition just doesn't stand up to scientific rigor. And it's, it's, it's just, uh, that's why I'm on this mission because I have a little chip on my shoulder. I'm a little pissed off that we were lied to for so long. And I'm out here trying to spread the truth and help people feel better all at the same time. Well, that's very much a reflection of, of who you are, Becker. I mean, that was certainly the case as a photographer and, and all the speaking that you did in the industry and sharing with photographers, helping photographers lead community. I appreciate you doing this on, and on the health side of things now, too, and especially for the sake of photographers. We'll make sure to put all of these links in the show notes for our listeners so they can go check them out, learn a little bit more about the ketogenic diet as well. And uh, I, again, thank you so much for making time for the Boca podcast today. Dude, happy to be on. Good to hear from me. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com.